Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator. Thank you guys so very much for joining me today. Today is going to be a segment taken from one of my online sessions working on reactivity at the door and strangers. So I know a lot of you out there are either dog trainers or dog owners dealing or working with this type of behavior, so I think it's going to be beneficial. Um, And then a couple news coming up. A couple news for things coming up uh, in 2020. So um, we've been less consistent on the podcast the last couple months because I've literally been on the road for the last six months. But 2020, we have some we have some sponsors for the show, which I'm really excited and grateful about. Um, so we're going to be back on here doing interviews, talking to canine professionals um, across the board, from behavioralists to veterinarians to dog trainers to all sorts of different guests, which I'm really excited to bring to the table for you guys. Um, and that brings me up to my next thing is if any of you are interested if you're a company or you know of a company that would like to reach our audience on the no bad dogs podcast here uh, for advertising purposes you can always email us at canine at gmail.com and today's episode is uh, again a, an online session dealing with reactivity so i hope you guys enjoy this i appreciate your time as always and here we go so, uh, <clears throat> where are you calling from today trent actually florida florida cool Whereabouts yeah. in Florida? Uh, up in the Panhandle, around right outside of Tallahassee. Okay, cool. I bet you have uh, warmer weather than we do right now in upstate New York. Yeah, yes, yeah, just just slightly. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> tell me what you got going on. I got a. Well, he's probably about a year and a half now, miniature Australian Shepherd. And around the house, best dog you can have, but is very reactive around strangers. Okay. And it's been a been a constant battle. I've been working with him. I got a mini educator e collar. I'll do intermittent training with him with it. Very very low stem. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So just, um, yeah, explain to me like uh, give me a little background of of what the reactions look like and when do they happen and all that fun stuff. I mean, if somebody comes to the house, I mean he. It's a trigger for him. He he can't stand it. If if I got him in the yard, somebody comes over, he'll bark, which I keep him on the leash, of course, it, in those instances. But he'll bark. And finally, after a while, calm down, but he's still on edge. Right. I've taken him. We go camping quite a bit, and he's he's fair when we go camping mm-hmm. at nighttime. If somebody's got a headlamp or flashlight, he doesn't. He reacts to that. Okay. Um, I've taken him to tractor supply, Home Depot, Lowe's just to just kind of get him around people. Mm -hmm. Um, so we live on, we got 13 acres here that he roams. So he really doesn't have to worry about anybody. Nice. So I, I do stuff like that. And he's, he does good. He doesn't lash out and react as long as somebody tries to get on his level and talk to him, he'll react. But if he just, nobody pays him any mind. He's good. You, I can tell he's on edge. He's got his ears pinned back and he's not not real confident. 
Yeah. So <clears throat> right now, so why don't you tell me how you're uh, handling this situation? So if somebody if somebody comes to the door and they ring the doorbell or bark and he freaks out, what are you doing? Um, currently, uh, really, we kind of I've got people over. Just I work with them in the yard that way. Mm-hmm. It's outside the house, yeah. and he'll bark. Um, we actually, we're actually building a house and the countertop guys came and did our vanity in our bathroom last week. And he was in the house and the guy walked in, I had him in the kitchen and he huffed, I had him on his leash, mm-hmm. made him sit. The guy walked in and he huffed and I gave him the leave it command. Mm-hmm. He just sat there. He was, he was good. Good. So I'm trying, I've tried kind of positive based around people. If I seen make eye contact with somebody if we're on a walk or whatever the case may be try to use positive reinforcement give him a treat just for acknowledging that person and not reacting right right so um when he when he does when he does react so he's listening to your leave it command then for the most it's gotten better it's not perfect he's still Sometimes he'll bark, bark, bark. I give him the leave the command and he'll, he'll bark some more. But, and then finally calm down and just sit. Mm-hmm. But. And how are you implementing the e-collar in this scenario? Um, and though I haven't really implemented that in those scenarios yet. Okay. How are you, how are you using it? Um, I've basically been using it for basic obedience now, super low stem as far as recalls. Mm-hmm. I'm used to where he feels just the slightest stimulation to come back. Right. Um, intermittently with regular place command, sit down. Just I'll use it before command. Um, I'll give the command and use it after. I won't use it. I'll just kind of switch it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just to kind of familiarize him with the with the tool. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good that's a good way to do it. So. Um... All right, so he's rea- okay. So he's reacting to people when they when they bark. He's reacting to people when they come into the house or they or they ring the doorbell or something. But the majority of the time, lately, he's been listening to your your disengaging leave it command, and and he's been responding to that pretty well. Pretty well. Um, back to the example where the counter guys were here. Um, one of the guys was outside. I had him in the yard. He, I put him in the down position. He laid right was laying right beside me. Me and the guy were talking mm-hmm. probably about 10, 15 feet apart. And he was, everything was kosher. And the guy got to talking about his dog and made, made a barking sound. Yeah. And it, yeah. that, that triggered him. Of course he hopped up, barked, told him to leave like, it. Didn't like that, huh? Not at all. Give him some, give him some leash pressure on the collar. And he, after a second, he laid back down. Yeah. So it sounds to me that, you know he's got he's got some insecurities with things he just is he's unfamiliar with, which kind of what his insecurity is uh, for the majority of time with dogs is they, um, you know, they're like, hey, I don't know what that is. I'm a little skeptical about it. I'm a little suspicious about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna act a certain way, and um, and like I said, that's pretty natural for for all animals. Um, you know, especially if they if they're if they're pretty if they're pretty like confident and they don't like it's 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 it's, it's interesting because if they're like I'm pretty confident in my insecurity. Uh, you know, where they're like, yeah, I'm definitely not cool with that. I don't, I don't know what that is. And then they bark or, um, what have you. So, 
so anyway, so if he barks at things that he he doesn't know, you know, using your leave it command and giving him a correction for doing that type of stuff is is pretty pretty imperative. Um, but but what's your what's your ultimate goal? Are you looking to have him just not be reactive to anything, or are you just are you looking to minimize the reactivity? Or what what's your ultimate goal here? I guess the ultimate goal would be to be able to. I mean, I don't necessarily care. I doubt he's ever going to be the just come right. up to whoever, love on me, right. let's play. I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Ultimate goal would be he can be around people. I don't have to have him on leash. Just even if he comes by me and just chills. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things, um, you know, digging into that is um, I would be using your remote collar. Um, for your basic obedience. So you already got a good idea of how to like introduce that remote collar using low level stimulations and making it a very positive experience and not using it as a corrective and not using it as a, as an aversive tool necessarily. Um, I mean, it is an aversive tool cause he's escaping the pressure, but it's not a, it's not a consequence necessarily. And it's not, it's not a traumatic experience and it's not painful by any means. It's just a kind of an, an annoyance more than anything. So you got a good grasp on, how to use that e-collar properly. So I would be using your low-level stimulation uh, in conjunction with with some counter-conditioning obedience. So I would be doing like sending him away to his place, working on your down stay, working on your sit stay. Because right now he's doing what a basic dog, I shouldn't say basic dog. Right now he's he's exhibiting behaviors that the majority of dogs will, will do when somebody comes to the door. And... In my experience, in my in my opinion, is the reason why the door is such a trigger for the majority of dogs is because it's a it's a very conditioning exercise. That's what they think it is anyway. Um, which means there it's it's almost a Pavlovian thing where there's there's a signifying marker and like and in this case it's the knock on the door, the doorbell. So there's there's the alarm. And then every time after that, the dog realizes that there's going to be somebody at the other end of the door. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's kind of why that behavior is is being exhibited is ding dong or knock, knock, knock. The dog just knows that those noises mean that somebody they probably don't know is at the other side of the door. <clears throat> if they knew, you know, and that's the thing is like if they if they didn't knock and they walked in, your dog is going to be less likely to bark at them because of the the occurrence or the situation that they've provided. They knock on the door. That means that they don't know you well enough to walk in. You know what I mean? Right. The right. majority of people who just walk right in, your dog's like, oh, you know, you're confident you're supposed to be here. The, the, the less likelihood of him becoming reactive. So with that being said, the knocking on the door or the ringing of the doorbell is never going to go away, obviously. Um, nor should you, you know, put up those signs of like, don't knock text me or whatever. I think that you should be <clears throat> desensitizing him to this process and and working like I said with your low level e-collar and and your counter conditioning obedience to to counter condition it. So have your buddy or you know your your spouse um you know would ha- anybody you can to go out and ring that doorbell or knock on the door. <clears throat> I mean you could do it too if he you know, if you wanted to get creative with it Uh, and then just, and then working on your place and sending him away to his place, putting him into a down, putting him into a stay. It is going to be, it could, you know, so 
<clears throat> that's one way to do it. That's not the way to do it because that can certainly build, um, that can certainly build like a lot of, a lot more anxiety or reactivity, if you will. <clears throat> gotcha. That could like supercharge it. You know, like he goes, hey, there's somebody here and you go, okay, run away. <clears throat> and he's like, that could supercharge him. Or it could yeah. not. Or it could, he's going to go there, he's going to relax. Um, so that's one thing I would start working on is sending him away to an alternate location um, to, to, to get him away. You know, like, like I said, it's going to be really, so instead of trying to teach the fish not to swim, meaning instead of trying not to, excuse me, instead of trying to get the dog not to bark at the doorbell, that's going to be hard. <clears throat> you know, I would be focusing more on getting him to go away from the actual thing that he's afraid of or he's reactive to to lessen the likelihood of him being being reactive, but more importantly, not scaring and freaking out the person that comes through the door. Right. And I'm, I guess I wouldn't necessarily, if it was just one bark or a huff, I wouldn't necessarily. Right. That, that really wouldn't bother me as long as it wasn't that. Yeah, I understand. It's it's more like habitual, and it's 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 going longer than the uh, longer than it should. It sounds like. Yep. yep. So and all, go ahead. And my father-in-law, we've been we've been building our house, and since I'd say probably the first four weeks that we had him, mm-hmm. it it was me and him and my father-in-law working on the house since he was a puppy. And even still, since even though he's been around my father-in-law since the beginning, there's still certain times that he will he'll bark at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's not it's not so much. It seems to me it's more male for for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, and it's hard to identify why these things are happening sometimes. And sometimes it's just not even it's. I don't want to say it's not worth looking into because it, it always is, but it's not. It's just one of those things that it's more of a personality trait. You know, it's kind of like your buddy that just doesn't like a certain food, and they just right. don't. And you're, you know, it's not going to be. It's it's like not worth your time to just continue to like try it, try it, try it. It's like that's the same thing with like this dog. Is sometimes sometimes dogs just they have this personality trait where, um, you know, if you look at them wrong, even if they know you, or if you you know, lean over them wrong. You know, I find a lot of times like dogs who are like this, I'm envisioning like your father-in-law, you know, cutting a piece of wood and then turning and looking at your dog and saying, Hey buddy, what's up? And reaching out to pet him. And then he backs up and barks. So I find, you know, that's what I'm envisioning. Right. Um, and, and that happens, it happens when, when you get like a, a couple of things. I mean, I've even seen dogs have like bad eyesight you know, like, like you said, like, you know, this dog's been around this, this, this person for since, since you got the dog and he's still like barking. I've even had dogs have like bad eyesight and not recognize certain people, you know? Um, no, that's always an option. It's probably not probable, but I, I try to give as many cards to people as possible so you can, uh, you know, analyze that yourself. But the other thing right. is, is like, <clears throat> you know, once, once a dog, cause I, I can see him like also looking and analyzing a person that he thinks he knows. And then that, and, and they don't realize that he's sitting there watching them, like analyzing them. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Almost yeah. like surveillance, you know? Yeah. And then as soon as the, as soon as that person turns around and says, Oh, Hey buddy, what's up? The dog goes, 
you know, er, 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 the alarms go off and they start getting, you know, like, holy crap, they're talking to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I find that, that happens out a lot too. And that, that happened uh, in the last week, I guess. I was at work. My mm-hmm. wife was home. Um, her parents came over. Mm-hmm. And he, he went barking at her dad. Uh, he had, her dad always wears jeans boots a hat or a cowboy hat or to mm-hmm. this day he had, he had shorts on so i don't know if, if he can really if he can decipher the difference in that right that kind of triggers or something something's different here. he looks a little different or or if that didn't have anything to do with it right it's hard to say you know because this is so kind of inconsistent and it's it's weird it's odd you know it's like what the heck man you know today it's you know you don't like him the next day you don't so like i said it like it, it's it's hard. that's what i mean is like it's gonna be i just try to like give people like the easiest route um you know that's the most beneficial and like i said yeah. trying to go in and investigate like why he's doing these weird things especially if it's not consistent like if it's not consistent you can't really analyze it in a clinical study you know, like you can't sit there and say, okay, every single time this particular person wearing this particular thing, he barks. Then we can say, okay, let's let's break that down a little bit and see where that's going on. But in this case, it's like it's really neurotical kind of thing. It's not really consistent. Um, you can't really pinpoint like, okay, today he cares, the next day he didn't. What's the variable? It just sounds like he gets into like these fearful state of minds. <clears throat> or fearful state of mind, sorry. Um, and like I said, it we do know that the variable is going to come from the entrance of that individual. That's from, from what you've told me so far, Trent, that's like what I've heard is, is the only consistent thing with this situation is the variable of that particular person coming in through the door, you know, that, that first 30 seconds or what have you. Um, so, so I would be working on that and, and, and really be focusing on sending, you know, again, sending him away. Like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that could contribute to, you know, building that behavior up or making it more frustrating or, or whatever. But uh, that's really like the only variable that I'm seeing right now that is, that is consistent. So, so anyway, so I would be, like I said, I would be using, I would be practicing that send away practicing that uh that that place command and and that and that and that leave it command and that heal command or i'm sorry and that stay command all that stuff i'd be practicing that um as much as you possibly can without the real thing happening so meaning like don't try to practice it during the game try to practice it way before the game have like a so as far as the place command goes um i can't remember if you told me you've done that before or you haven't I have. Um, I don't really use it a lot in the house, but I do have a, like a cot, mm-hmm. almost, almost like a place board, but we use it when we go camping for him to lay on route, right. shooting the bridge by the fire. But I'll, when we're training out in the yard, I'll set it up. And I mean, he's like clockwork. I can sit, tell him place and he'll write to it. Yeah. So I may, I may need to maybe introduce that in the house. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of like my, that that's the uh, direction I was going is, is, uh, working on that place command, uh, in the house. Because like I said, it just seems like the biggest problem and the most consistent variable here, which is what we try to like attack as much as possible 
is entry. So when somebody comes in or somebody knocks, that's when he like really loses it. Um, so yeah, sending him away to that place command, but obviously working on it before people get over there, working on it as much as you possibly can. I would be working on it multiple times a day, just doing like little mini five, 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 uh, five minute sessions using your remote collar, um, to send him away to that, that place command, uh, is, is a great, a great opportunity for you to utilize that off leash control and that, uh, you know, the, the technology that we have with the, with the e-collar, um, so that's what I would be doing with it is just continually just just utilizing that. Um, like I said, make it super fun. Don't ever turn the collar up when you're practicing and, and making it any type of uncomfortability or correction. Just continuing to use that like escape training. You say place, e-collar comes on, continuous. He goes there, it shuts off. Good job. It's escape training. Um, and he learns. He learns, and it actually builds confidence in the dog because he learns – um, you know, he learns for the first time how to shut something off himself, which is pretty rewarding to a dog. So using the e-collar in that manner is, is a great way to also build confidence because it gives a dog a pretty easy task and it allows them, you know, it's just like a little kid where they like, they're huffing and puffing around the house crying. You're like, Hey buddy, you know, take out the trash. You know, I, I need help taking out the trash and they do it. And you're like, Hey, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, so definitely creating like more confidence around that threshold of the door, uh, the entryway. And uh, like I said, utilizing that e-collar as much as you can. And then also, too, followed up with that, I would be working on, you know, the sit or the down and stay or however you do it. If you do implied sits, you do implied downs, whatever. Um, and just continuing to, to continuing to work on that as well is, is going to be pretty, pretty crucial. Okay. And he, he also has a little bit of separation anxiety, mm-hmm. which I know, I know being an Australian Shepherd, they're kind of kind yeah, of yeah. Velcro. Kind of a Velcro dog. Yeah. But if you leave one room, go to the next, or I mean, he's right there, back and forth, back and forth, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And if me and I got a baby gate, um, just to work on that a little bit in the house. And if we put him in the living room, put the gate up, me and the wife go in the bedroom, he'll sit there and cry and cry and cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norm, I've worked on it real short and then i'll do it and if he starts crying i'll leave him until he gets quiet and then i'll go out there mm-hmm. mark give him a treat and then let him out yeah yeah um you know separation anxiety is a really tough thing because um i find i find that separation anxiety is usually created from owners whether they mean to or not obviously a lot of people right. don't uh, yeah. And then it's also, like you said, like a, like a very genetical breed thing as well. You know, you get a really like confident, you know, I've seen like, you know, really confident kind of like, um, isolated type dog breeds, uh, just, you know, do their own thing and don't like, you get like, uh, I don't know, any, any type of, any type of dog can be, have, have separation anxiety and, and could also be super confident. So, uh, in today's society, the breeding is all over the board. So it's really tough to say, but yeah, I mean, you get a dog that, you know, historically, the uh, any type of like cattle dog or anything like that is is usually pretty velcroy. Um, any herding dog is usually pretty pretty uh, solidly uh, attached. Uh, so you just gotta like tread lightly on that and just make sure that you're not giving him any any opportunity to uh, to be anxious. You know, you know, limiting your your talking, limiting your verbal communication with him so he doesn't get confused. Uh, and then same thing, like kind of what you're doing, having that place command, man. It, it it'll it'll really help you out because it'll give him a job. So instead of like having that baby gate up and he's sitting there like, I want out, I want out, I want out, what are we doing? 
if you put him into a place and he knows what the place command is and he knows that he has to work for that place command, or I'm sorry, work during that place command, it'll give him a job, which then will, uh, in theory, you know, give him a job, which will take away from some of his anxiety because it'll give him something to do. So one exercise you can do just off the top of my head here is you can put him in a place, go around the corner, you know, work on your stay. And then, um, you know, if he stays good and he doesn't whine or doesn't bark when you go out of sight, you could just call him right to you and just, you know, reward him for that. Or you could go right to him and reward him for, for this day. Um, both are good. It just, I would prefer you probably, or I would suggest to you to probably go to him and reward him in the position because if you get in a habit of recalling him, it might build more uh, anxiety of him waiting for that recall. Um, so, yeah, so going right to him, you know, paying him with the foot, with treats or whatever you do in the place command and keeping him in that place command and, and letting him know that he gets just as much as attention and and one-on-one time with you, you know, periodically throughout the, the, the exercise. Um, and, and if he does break, you know, you just put him right back and make sure that he's like, no, 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 you don't, don't, you know, don't talk to him. Don't, don't give him any attention because that's what he wants. So if he breaks his place command, he comes running to you, and you're like, "Hey, buddy, what are you doing off your place?" You're giving him exactly what what he's actually he wanted. Yeah, exactly. So just make sure yeah. that if he does break, you just grab him, put him back up. Um, but again, like working on this in in uh, in patterns. Don't just don't just like put him in a place command and then walk out the door because he's not going to be able to do that. You know, he, that, that picture has really never been painted for him probably. So just making sure you're doing increments of place, you know, downstay, you walk around, go out, go outside of the, uh, the vision that he has and then go back and reward him and just continue to do it that way. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of, kind of what I do now when I do play stay mm-hmm. instead of, instead of recalling or rewarding, even, yeah. If I walk fifty yards, a hundred yards from him, I walk back, right, and reward just just so I didn't build that previous. The legend. That's what I've, I've always known. A place and stay. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you that's that's what you want to do is uh is just continue that you know continue working that in, and continue to uh to 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 utilize like I said that place command and that uh, yeah. you know that that e collar command and and all that stuff is 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 pretty pretty good yep and on that like if he does break i'll tell him no and take him back should i continue to use the no is like kind of like a negative or should i just not say nothing walk him back to his place and then go yeah. back to him? yeah so um yeah you could say no it's not gonna it's just make sure you're not like nobody like just be like nope and then bring him right back just don't don't you know don't extend it because uh, gotcha. like I said, any any type of like conversation you have with him, he's gonna be like, because he doesn't understand what the heck you're saying, you know. So you can be like, nobody, you got to go back, or else he's like, yay, we're talking. Yeah. So sure. so just make sure that you're just like, if you're gonna do any verbal, just nope, and just grab him and put him right back, and and don't have that you know, elongated uh, conversation because that's actually what he's looking for. He's looking for that attention from you, and if you give it to him, like we said before, it's it's a rewarding system that we definitely don't wanna don't wanna put into place there. Gotcha. Um, would you recommend? I don't currently have a prong collar, and 
he's decent on the leash, but mm-hmm. when we get other when we get other places or somewhere unfamiliar, he mm-hmm. wants to pull pull a little bit. Yeah. Would you recommend me getting a prong collar, or could I put the e collar on him, give him a little stem, kind of do the same type deal? Yeah. Currently, I just stop. Yeah. I'll stop, hold it. If he's tight on the lead, I'll just let him be tight. As soon as there's a little bit of slack, then I'll move some or wait till he comes back to me. Then I'll proceed. Yeah. So the you know the prong collar is. Um is a, is a great tool to use. It's a great tool to utilize. Um, so is the remote collar, uh, and, and you can use them so universally and so differently. You just have to make sure that it's, it's effective and humane and it, and it works well for you and your dog and, and the desired things that you want to do. So the prong collar is a good tool to use in any application for the most part. Uh, you just have to make sure, you know, it's fit right and you're using it properly. Um, but the most important thing that I, I will say about using any tool, when you're trying to establish, you know, maybe it sounds like you're just trying to establish like a correction is instead of like continuing to, to correct him maybe for doing the wrong thing, make sure that you're heavily, heavily, heavily uh, establishing what he's supposed to be doing as well or more. Uh, I would say more. So teaching him a heel command. So don't just go out, put him on a, put him on anything. It doesn't matter what you're using, any tool. Don't just go out, put him on that sucker and then just walk and then, um, you know, just correct him because he doesn't know necessarily why he's being punished. So I would, I would try to establish like a very um, structured heel at first. So going out and teaching him what you want first before you go in there and start correcting him for doing something he doesn't know what he's doing wrong. So um, th- the answer is yes, you can use a prong collar certainly. Just make sure that you're not slapping it on and correcting him because he's not really going to know why. So make make sure that you try to teach him what heel is first. You know, be be patient with him. Like I like I always say, be empathetic with the situation. Make sure that you're giving him, you know, more than enough opportunities to be successful. And and then that way in the future, he knows exactly when you say heel and he decides to say screw you, I'm out of here. He's going to get corrected and he's going to know why. Gotcha. So yeah, that that would be a good option for you too. Okay. think what else i guess the main thing what uh what would you recommend as far as maybe games training to help build his confidence uh it's a good question uh actually i just had a conversation with this with one of my buddies the other day um katie matthews about uh about this type of thing so you know for for me you know building confidence in a dog is i i try to explain it to people in a way that that is is scalable and, and understandable as much as possible so um a lot of confidence stuff it, it comes from genetics it comes from um foundation you know from when they were born uh it comes from their environment you know, there's a lot of things that sometimes you can't control like you know it's like mental health for humans there's a lot yeah. of things that we just can't you know, we, we just can't control. It's like, Hey man, just don't think that way. You know, it's like, uh, it's hard, you know, it's harder than just stop, you know, it's, it's internal. And so confidence building is one of those things that takes time, but typically and historically, it's pretty easy to do. The exercises are pretty easy to do. So one of the, one of the ways to build confidence in a dog is, is the book, like what I call the boogeyman syndrome. Um, which is, is just something I use to, to help people understand clearly what I'm saying. Uh, it, it basically, when they, when they feel like they're afraid of something, it, it's typically because they don't know what it is and it's all in their head. You know, it's an inside job. 
So if you find things that like he's afraid of and he's he's constantly like you know fearful of getting him around those things and uh, associating those things with positive uh, interactions um, and that that could be anything from uh, you know grates on the ground uh, to cones to microwaves I mean dogs are weird they're afraid of weird things yeah, yeah. Um, but just going out and building confidence in him and, and getting him to do new stuff so new, teaching him new stuff like a like you know teaching him to place on something he may have never placed on before um, you know getting him to walk up a a hill or getting him to walk up uh, stairs that he's never done before. So just teaching him something new and helping him through that process will be really confidence building. You know, agility is a really big confidence building thing for people who do agility. You know, those dogs are super confident and they're happy because they're constantly like pushing their boundaries of, you know, um, of insecurities and securities of like, I don't know if I could do that. And they're like, Oh, I can. So um, just get going out and doing things that's, that's new that helps the dog, um, you know, become confident. And the other thing is, is just that e-collar, like, you know, myself and a bunch of other professionals in the field use the e-collar in in a very, um, very different ways. Um, and for me, you know, but collectively we all agree on the same pattern of just making sure that we introduce it in a very non-corrective way and making sure that we are introducing it in a way that the dog is not going to be stressed with and making sure that we're using the right levels that the dog's not going to be stressed with. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I use the e-collar much like, um, it's a very pressured system and not pressured in a bad way, but just like it's a, it's supplying pressure to the dog. Uh, and so if you say, Hey buddy, sit, and you turn the e-collar on continuous and you don't use anything but the collar and then the dog sits and it shuts off, that can actually build confidence in a dog because for the first time in their life or whatever in your training session they're actually given the power to shut something off themselves through compliance of the obedience that you're asking the dog to do so um i think it's just important that you know a lot of collars have levels from zero to a hundred or plus just making sure that you're you're staying in that that those levels that don't negatively affect the dog and don't correct the dog the e-collar, when used, is always going to be an aversive because the dog is actively, if they know what they're doing, is actively turning the collar off or trying to turn the collar off because it's more of a, a nuisance to them and it's more of an annoyance, but it's not going to be a punishing factor. It's not going to be a, a situation that the, um, you know, that, that the dog is going to be like stressed about or the dog's going to be you know, forever afraid of the collar. That's definitely not, not the case, but it is technically an aversive because the dog is actively trying to shut it off. But, you know, an aversive could also be same thing. Like if, if the cell phone is ringing in your pocket and it's vibrating and it's ringing, it's, it's very annoying and you want to shut it off and then you do, I mean, it's kind of the same concept. So confidence building, you could, you could hack your way at it at many different angles. Um, but I think more importantly, just p- pick some things that you could do with him that you haven't done with him to get him comfortable with new things to build his confidence like a like a human. Okay. Gotcha. I've watched, which I've watched a ton of your, all your YouTube. Um, yeah, thank you. Larry, Larry Crone. Mm-hmm. Watch a bunch of his stuff. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's, I wish I was a lot closer. I just... I come and train with you guys. Yeah. I just don't have much faith in a lot of others. I I kinda I got a little bit of law enforcement background. I currently work with a we manufacture canine inserts for a 
law enforcement vehicles. Cool. So I've been around those trainers, and it's more of beating into submission and yeah, it, it's a different turning world. the dog into a robot. Yeah, it's a different world. Um, and it, and I just I don't have I don't want that. I still want him to be a dog, but I just want him to yeah. be more secure, be more obedient around others. Yeah, sure. And and and. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like you know law enforcement dogs is is a different you know it's a different ball game. Those dogs yeah. are tools; they're not pets. Yeah. Um, a lot of these guys have zero to no dog training background. They, I, I've I've sold dogs to police agencies that have never even had a personal dog, and um, you know it's a different ball game. You know the 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 department that they're working for says, "Hey, here's your expectations," and you know it's a tool. It's not being it's not being utilized as like a pet of like. You know, but but that's not all of them. You know, I've seen I've seen some pretty hands off dog trainers that are are pretty um, you know, pretty talented and uh, right. you know. So, but I I, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, but just make yeah, it f- just make it fun and just make it just take your time and be patient with it is the most important thing. Just go out there and try to paint the dog the picture in the best way you can to keep them successful and keep them motivated. Uh, if the dog is motivated and is actively like excited to work, um, you know, the, the better your relationship gets, the more confidence the dog has. And then of course, the more the dog will work with you instead of doing something they don't love and shutting down after, you know, X amount of time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause that's been a, that's been a struggle. My wife keeps on me, like, we need to take him to training, take him to training. I'm like, look, I mean, where we're at's kind of small. There's not a lot of, yeah. lot of, a lot of availability. So therefore, my trust wise, I'm like, eh, I don't want just some sketchy Joe Blow because the e collar on and yeah. zaps the hell. Out. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's the worst. But it's it's just been a, str- a struggle, and I know it's, I know it's going to be a long road. I mean, I'm cool with that as long as, as long as I can find progress, find a happy medium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just have to, like I said, you just have to like keep working on your exercises and and uh, you know building that confidence. And, and like I said, you know, you're probably dealing with just like a little bit of like genetical insecurities where the dog probably was insecure from the beginning, and you know you probably didn't do anything to to you know make this more insecure or the dog more insecure or anything. It's probably just one of those things that you just have to cope with a little bit and teach the dog. Um, you know, the, the significant binary difference between right and wrong, you know, when he does something wrong, you need to let him know. Uh, and then also if he does something right, you also need to let him know as well. But I think the other thing that I haven't really mentioned is, uh, you know, your guest management too is going to be a big part of your success. So when you have, when you have people over, it's important that they ignore him and don't give him any eye contact and don't look at him and just ignore him and walk right through him. Because that's also going to be a, a significant trigger that we really haven't talked about is when somebody comes over, he's going to go, hey, there's somebody here. What do we do? And then that person freaks them out even more by looking right at him and reaching their hand out to pet him. Um, and then he backs up and barks at him even more because that freaks him out. So just make sure that when people come over, um, you know, it's unfortunate that that one guy just started barking like a dog. Obviously, we don't we don't see right. those things but you know you can't control, yeah, you can't, yeah you can't control like you know every every situation but just make sure you know the people that you can have a comfortable conversation with that are coming over to just say hey man you know um my, my dog's a little sketchy around people he doesn't know just just completely ignore him and walk right through him don't pay him any attention and that'll that'll dramatically help your dog's experience those new experiences be be a lot more uh, positive than anything as well okay 
so yeah, that's that's what I would be doing is is really just working on that stuff, just yeah. you know, building confidence and, and making you know setting your dog up for success more than anything. Yeah, I've I've done that a few times and he's he's done very well. Yeah, and then it's one small trigger. Yeah, and I'm like, where did where the hell did that came from? He's just off the wall for thirty right. seconds and then back down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful. You know, you just got to be careful how you do it. That's all. Um, you know, just 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 take your time with it and uh, and and just continue to build that confidence and be patient with it and it it'll come together. Just like you said, it just takes some time. Okay, good deal. Um, do you get out? I know, um, I believe you were in Colorado a little while back. Do you get out and do anything anywhere else? Or yeah, um, yeah. So my schedule right now, like, I, it's crazy. I mean, we're we're just doing. We, I'm just involved with like so many different things coming up. Um, so I, 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 yes. I mean, I do travel. Um, I'm, I'm actually on the road more than I am at the facility. I, I very rarely will. The only training I do at my facility right now is just I help out with board and trains. I help my other trainers. And then I, I just do my out-of-states, the people that are coming up to visit me for the weekend to work. The traveling that I'm doing is either, you know, shooting something, for, you know, for video form for some of my sponsors or it's, it's somebody flying me out to train with them for, you know, however long. So right now I don't have any events scheduled, but we are doing like a, like a U.S. tour but it's, it's only going to be like four cities just because of the time constraint that we, that we have. Um, uh-huh. so that's that. I mean, we, we definitely have a lot of people down in the Florida area that, that inquire a lot. Um, and it's something that we might do like in the dead of winter <laughs> because that's, that would be good. But right now, uh, our schedule for 2020 is booking up pretty good as far as like what we have on the, on the schedule is pretty busy for us so far. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know that's been my big struggle, just finding somebody that I feel comfortable with, seeing some of the work, feel confident in what their their abilities and how they <clears throat> how they feel. Yeah, no. with, with, I know perception can be a little different on a video versus real life, but yeah, and, some, some of it still shines through if you don't really have the mindset. Yeah, and that's a, that's exactly, and that's why it's hard for me sometimes too, is because you you may get like uh, you may get like you know, a trainer that looks at some of your stuff. And, and this is something that like, you know, the, you know, like you said, perspective, there's so many different things that people don't realize that we're doing in the video, you know, and, and there's so much more shining good that's coming out of the video than nit, nitpicking and saying, Oh, don't do this and don't do that. And so, you know, it is tough, you know, the amount of content that we put out uh, to the amount of, you know, we're, we're almost at a hundred thousand subs on, on YouTube. So we reach, you know, anywhere from 90,000 to over a million views on, on any given video that we put out. And, uh, you know, it is hard, but, you know, we're just doing our best to, to educate people and to try to advocate for tools and try to help people understand that, you know, dogs are dogs and there's so many different ways to, to handle certain situations. And it is tough yeah. because it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very like, uh, it's a tough, you know, the internet itself is tough. You get somebody that just doesn't realize what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. And they can't yeah. conceptualize like the, the idea or the theory or they disagree with it. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're wrong and you're the devil and you shouldn't yeah. pick up a leash. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it, it's quite, it, it's, it, it's entertaining sometimes though. I will say that it is entertaining to see complete strangers who have never handled or professionally worked with dogs their entire life. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of keyboard warriors. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're they're strong and and uh, and alive out there. That's that's for sure. <laughs> but 
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator. Thank you guys so very much for joining me today. Today is going to be a segment taken from one of my online sessions working on reactivity at the door and strangers. So I know a lot of you out there are either dog trainers or dog owners dealing or working with this type of behavior, so I think it's going to be beneficial. Um, And then a couple news coming up, or a couple news for things coming up uh, in 2020. So um, we've been less consistent on the podcast the last couple months because I've literally been on the road for the last six months. But 2020, we have some we have some sponsors for the show, which I'm really excited and grateful about. Um, so we're going to be back on here doing interviews, talking to canine professionals um, across the board, from behavioralists to veterinarians to dog trainers to all sorts of different guests, which I'm really excited to bring to the table for you guys. Um, and that brings me up to my next thing is if any of you are interested if you're a company or you know of a company that would like to reach our audience on the no bad dogs podcast here uh, for advertising purposes you can always email us at canine at gmail.com and today's episode is uh, again a, an online session dealing with reactivity so i hope you guys enjoy this i appreciate your time as always and here we go no it's a rocky road but yeah, man, it's tough. I'm I'm grateful to you know we've been doing uh we've been doing pretty much two two online sessions every single morning for like the last couple of weeks. So I've been working in two different cities uh, in every single morning uh, for a while now. So I'm I'm really grateful to be able to hop on here and help people out. And um, I just I wish you the best of luck. And if you have any questions, like I said, just reach out, send me an email, and you know ask ask away. We're talking to you and meeting with you, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Yep, you as well. I do appreciate it. If anything comes up, I'll definitely reach out and we'll go from there. All right, Trent. Have a good day, man. Maybe maybe you guys will be down in the future. Yeah, yeah, be on the lookout for sure. Will do. All right, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so very much for listening to Trent and I talk about uh, his reactivity with his dog. I hope it was insightful for you guys. I hope it was enjoyable. I hope you liked listening to it on your way to work or ignoring that smelly guy on the bus. Either way, I appreciate you guys. I'm grateful for you guys. Like I said, coming up in 2020, we're going to be a lot more consistent here on the podcast, bringing you uh, a lot of cool stuff. So I'm excited for that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can, I don't know what I was going to say, but thank you guys. Anyway, thank you guys so very much. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.